I'm starting the recording. <laughs> so for those that are here and those that are watching in, in the future, if if it cuts out, it's because the power went out. We've had issues with it and we'll we'll see <laughs> how it how it pans out. But anyway, so chapter six on the sun flash servant level. Uh, we got lots of great and excellent things here, but um first off, what is the Davidic covenant and why is it important to us in this day? Like, why don't we talk about this more? Why isn't this, you know, I, before this book, I had never even heard of the Davidic covenant. I've, I've heard of the Abrahamic covenant and I, and I knew the, the Sinai covenant, but I didn't know that that was one of our, our three major ones. But why don't we talk about the Davidic covenant and why is it so important in our lives? What have you guys found throughout your, your reading and study this week? Well, I think we haven't really heard about it much just because it's one of those higher things that we really, until we start learning about the ladder and, and ascending, it's not really something that we need to know yet until, until we get this far. And I think it's like kind of hidden from us until we're ready. So hopefully we're all ready. I found it really, I find it really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, as I'm reading through this chapter, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is everything. But much like the temple, the Lord loves to do his own teaching about it kind of thing. You know, like Avraham is, is presenting it here in, in, in different ways. But um, uh, it was interesting early this morning, I got woken up early and um, I was just like, okay, well, I got to read this and stuff. But, but the Lord was wanting me to, to wake up that early and, and have him teach me some of this stuff. And it was just interesting how that process works, how, how the Lord really likes to, to teach us certain things himself and, and not leave it up to the, the precepts of men kind of thing. I, I find that that's a, a interesting principle uh, as we are, uh, ascending in it, in our learnings and um, getting closer to, to hearing him, etc. Um, it, it's a fun process, um, knowing that, that God is so loving and, and willing to teach us as soon as we're ready to come to him. Um, yeah, yeah. Marina, I think um, so much of the world and even in our church, we, they look at Isaiah as being a prophecy about Christ and Christ came and all that was fill, fulfilled and you know, okay, you know, we don't have to really pay much attention to Isaiah anymore, right? Instead of realizing that it just repeats, it was for Isaiah's time and for Christ's time and then for our time, right? Because everything seems to have already been fulfilled in Christ's time. So, you know, what do we need to worry about all of this for Isaiah? And people scratch their head going, why do we have Isaiah in the Book of Mormon? And they go, you know, why did Christ say to study Isaiah? I mean, this is old news, right? The, these are the kinds of things that I've heard pretty much all my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so right. the, the Davidic covenant, in the Davidic covenant, the king is responsible for his people, right? And so everybody looks at that and goes, oh, well, that's Christ. Christ was responsible. He paid for all of our sins, yada, yada, yada. That's done. Okay, we're done. You know, move on. And they don't look any farther. 
they don't look any deeper they're happy floating on the surface and and you know and i think that's why we never hear about I, I think that's that's what it is is because even if you look at chapter headings in the scripture none of them acknowledge the fact that anything is beyond christ mm-hmm. you know yeah. um and they were just you know the chapter headings are just written by scholars they're not you know they weren't part of the scripture when they were written so (laughs) you know and even the footnotes right the footnotes were just what the scholars are like oh yeah this also ties to this and this ties to this and they're great the footnotes are fantastic and the people especially all of the people that went into redoing all the footnotes for the 1981 revision. Um, I remember when that came out, when I started seminary, we didn't have it. When I finished seminary, we did, it was, you know, one of those. So, um, you know, that not, not trying to say anything bad about them, but it's, you know, baby steps, right? First we had just the footnotes and then we had all this expanded stuff. And this is so much more. This is for those who want that higher level learning, who's willing to put forth the time and the effort to learn mm-hmm. wouldn't it so, be great i, mean, I think that's what I uh-huh. huh? but like what? what if the prophets had written their own footnotes like our modern general authorities do wouldn't that be like awesome <laughs> i, I would have loved that well i mean and that's the best way to study conference talks right <laughs> i'm like okay i've already heard the conference talk i've already read uh, written my own notes let me just start with the footnotes and then we'll mm-hmm. go from there yeah exactly yeah i love that so how do you find that i mean like avraham has has written about the davidic covenant etc but i mean it's not necessarily sunday school subject material how have you found or how do you think that we proceed forward from here once we learn about the davidic covenant um is it supposed to be just kind of internally kept or is this uh, supposed to be be taught and our do we share it with our families how do we go about this this learning about the son servant level and and that <laughs> i don't know that's a loaded question but <laughs> I, I just find myself going oh my gosh i finally understand so much now and and you know the natural response is to share and so I, i'm grateful we have this group that we share it with but like uh, how, how do you do that? Because uh, kind of like you said with the, the whole, it doesn't go beyond Christ. You know, if you talk about um, proxy saviors and um, uh, willingly interceding for other people, et cetera, people might say that you're blasphemous, like, oh, you're canceling out Christ's atonement, et cetera. How, how do we talk about it? How do we uh, properly discuss this with our families? Come follow me, whatever have you. But anyway, just that general question. How do we uh, start branching out and, and a teaching, talking about Davidic covenant and, and its role and importance. Well, I think that's what President Nelson's trying to get us to do with ministering. I mean, he's not saying that this is a Davidic covenant, but how do we become like Christ if we don't learn to serve people like Christ did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ministering is, is such a huge leap forward from, from the old ways home and visiting teaching and you know how many people are, are still like oh well it changed its name but it's basically the same right <laughs> it's so much different yeah more responsibility on us and 
our ward struggled with it, even though it's been what, two and a half, three years now mm -hmm. to implement it because they relied so much on the prepared lessons that they were at a loss. So what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we even got rid of the enzyme that, that had the messages. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, and there's nothing in the Lehona for about this. Uh, yeah. I, I think um, I think the, the, the way we share this is we find people who have been searching, you know, just like this group, who have been searching and want to know more. And then we share, we share what we learn. Um, and we, we read what other people have to say and we share with what we've learned. And then we can take that and we can ponder it and we can pray about it. And we may have totally different things open up to them. You know, I, I was reading, I was reading a, a thread of a conversation this morning and as a, it was kind of like a side shoot of a conversation. And as I was reading that, another idea hit me and that opened up and I sat there and pondered. I was like, oh yeah, wow. Okay. And it just built on something the Lord had taught me before. Um, but I think we all have those kinds of aha moments, right? With whatever it is that we're studying. And so yeah. we can do that. And we find those like-minded people and we share and we talk. And, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to say, okay, the people I minister to, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to about this because they may not be ready. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of them aren't, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to really get to know your people. And on, on ministering, I had um, in one of my groups, there's a lady in, in Columbus, Ohio, South Stake. And their stake has just been told to completely eliminate ministering and ministering assignments. Yeah. I, think, I think it's one of, you know how the church tests out stuff in various places around the world before they yeah. announce that something's changed? They got a letter from Salt Lake and they read it at state conference all ministering callings and assignments have disappeared. Hmm. People are to minister as moved upon by the Holy Ghost to who, whomever, not just to whoever they're assigned. Where was that just recently? Like I heard that the, the church was going to start three new pilot programs and to just go with it kind of thing or whatever, that they're going to seem a little bit contradictory. And I was like, what i want to be i want to in, be in the know here i love rumor mongering you know you know what the heck is going up with our leaders why are they saying this and i said ah it's probably a pilot program that they uh -huh. want to announce in conference and they want to see how it goes for a few months first yeah you know and see how it how it works and so um you know but think about that if you no longer had a ministry assignment, because nobody's doing it. I know in our ward, nobody's doing it anymore. I mean, I do. My husband does. We, we know a handful of people. Um, but And we go and we minister that not only to the people we're assigned to, but, you know, other people probably as well, right, as, as they're needed. But isn't that what being a Zion community is more about? It's about everybody watching out for everybody else, not just the people you're assigned to, mm -hmm. right? So interesting. And, and, and that I, used to always me to no end when somebody that had nothing to do with me or anything before was suddenly assigned as my visiting teacher and suddenly wanted to be my BFF. 
Uh -huh. I'm like, yeah. you, what? That, you know, maybe that's just me, but I was just like, you didn't care anything about me last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, I, I feel that same way with some of the ministry and assignments and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it's so unnatural and unorganic, you know, like, mm -hmm. but there's some people that I, I minister to all the time and, and yet uh, they're not my assignment. And I, I don't know, it, I, I, I'm intrigued by, by that new, new mm -hmm. approach. To yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes and we'll see if it makes it throughout the whole, you know, see if it yeah. gets announced. But when you started talking about ministering, I was like, oh yeah, that was, that's definitely a different idea. But yeah. I think that's where we need to be if we are going to be these sons and servants. Even if we're going to be at the Zion level, we need to be there. Yeah. And we're not. And the the brethren are trying so hard to get us there. Yeah. And and people are kicking and screaming and fighting and dragging their feet. <laughs> well. Let me let me just put it this way with the Davidic covenant. If if David was to atone or was to take responsibility for the righteousness of his people, then he would work extremely hard to make sure that his people were taught the correct principles and to be he also would have to be an example in order for them to want to follow him. I mean, let's face it. Would you be willing to take responsibility for the actions of your neighbors in your neighborhood? Um, and, 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 and what, uh, what they do. So you would want to be out front. You would be up and worried about how, what, what their problems are that they think their problems are. And you would want to be highly involved in what they do. Because if the Lord was holding you responsible, uh, it'd be like a, like a bishop being responsible for everybody in his ward or a stake president being responsible for everybody in his stake, or better yet, being a prophet and being responsible for all of those that can hear the sound of his voice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then that in and of itself is a type and shadow of the Savior who was taking on that responsibility for everyone that has ever stepped foot on this planet or whoever will. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's, that's a big, uh, that's a big responsibility. It is so a huge responsibility. The Lord, the Lord gives us, he gave the Israelites patterns. He gave them traditions. He gave them, uh, ceremonies that helped everyone to understand the many roles and responsibilities that Jesus Christ would fulfill. And he wanted them to at least get a taste of the sacrifice that Christ was making for and uh, for their behalf. And it may help hopefully to make them a little more appreciative mm -hmm. and then be and then that in and of itself would also cause them to want to follow Christ and with the ultimate goal of returning back to the father. But, yeah. you know, the best, best thing we can do right now is be a good parent. 
or or a good neighbor or a good son or son-in-law or brother etc mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love that it, it's interesting um <clears throat> throughout this whole chapter i i have uh my city's name written in the margins or whatever i'm like oh does this apply to malta oh does this apply to malta like there's so many different things here that's um how many awake type people do we have like it went if if push comes to shove and we're uh you know apocalyptic worst case scenario and and malta's under attack are are there people here that will step up as as sun saviors or sun slash servant and and actually intercede for physical protection on our behalf and i was like well if it comes down to it that it's going to come down to those people that actually know the, the covenant, right? That that's one of the requirements, uh, you know, like Abraham, when he was pleading on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew that he was it. Uh, he was the one that was, was on the level and, and knew how to, to intercede and, and provide that protection and stuff because, you know, divine law. And anyway, it just, it struck me hard of, man, this is, this is responsibility with great learning comes great responsibility. Right. And, um, uh, it was just such a, a fun study this morning, uh, going into some of our our modern examples of of these things. So um, let me find the page I was reading. So I was on page one eighty nine, and and then the, the following five six pages or so. Um, but what was really hitting me was this law of justice and mercy, and. Um, where, of course, we have the law of justice, we have the law of mercy, but I didn't understand them to their fullest extent and their latter-day application until this, of the law of mercy hinges upon Christ, obviously, with, with his atonement, but he, he shares some of that with us as we are becoming more Christ-like, that we can actually participate in the law of mercy for others. And through the Davidic covenant, we can take upon ourselves some of those sins, iniquities, et cetera, of others. And anyway, that law of justice and mercy was, was huge for me this morning. And I, I was looking through this and um, uh, it talks about lots of different intercessions with, with Moses and uh, with Hezekiah, et cetera. Uh, there on page 191, uh, talked about that Moses passes up God's offer to make of him a great nation, and he offers to have his name blotted out of the book of life. In other words, he's willing to die and give up the spiritual levels he has attained for the sake of saving God's people alive. And um, in Isaiah's end time scenario, several simultaneous such intercessions occur, preventing God's people from perishing. And I just thought that, that was so insightful I don't know it was just hitting me like a ton of bricks it was like oh man and and I, I just got wondering like do our prophets and apostles do this for us like okay they actively think that okay God needs us to intercede for a group of people etc and immediately it popped in my head of um this is what the Hosanna shout was all about at, at the April 2020 conference and I was like okay, I got to go read that again and stuff. So I was reading the, the preparatory things, the fast that was leading into the, the April 2020 conference and um, this and that, et cetera. And, and the talks that was the, the Saturday before, you know, he announced that we were going to do it and that we were going to fast again. And, and uh, anyway, 
all of the, the different talks beforehand. And then Elder Gong gets up in, in that same session and talks about Hosanna and Hallelujah. And what Hosanna really means, it means save now. And if you look at, at his whole discourse, uh, Elder Gong's and uh, President Nelson's, this is what they were doing. They were enacting the Davidic covenant on our behalf. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I knew that it was important. I knew that we were doing lots of great things with the Hosanna shout and stuff, but much like it's repeated throughout this book, sometimes we can realize the greatness or importance of something, but we just don't fully understand it because we're not on that level yet kind of thing. And so it was just eye-opening to me that um, that this Hosanna shout was a uh, a real-time, in our day, enactment of the Davidic covenant on our behalf, physical protection. And I don't know, that, that it was just so enlightening to me. And I started looking back at, at many of the different things that President Nelson has, has done and, and the apostles and their apostolic blessings, because many of them are starting to uh, pronounce apostolic blessings quite frequently. And uh, anyway, it, it was just so interesting and it led me to an, another thing, which was when I was reading on, just a second, let me find it. Oh, on page 195, it says that um, just after figure 84, it says, to the Israelites, it was important to appoint righteous military leaders who would not compromise God's protection by living evil lives. Whenever David led them into the battle, for example, the Israelites proved victorious. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm on this President Nelson kick and, and stuff, and uh, it, my thoughts immediately went uh, back to uh, ministering with the power and authority of God. And I just want to show a quick clip of that. Um, I, I tell you, it, it's one of the, I've never been shaken before uh, from a conference talk like this, but I mean, it just gets me every single time. Let me Cue it up real quick, just a second. With his power and priesthood blessings we can give. With his power. All right. And authority. Brethren, there are doors we can open. Priesthood blessings we can give. Hearts we can heal. Burdens we can lift. Testimonies we can strengthen lives we can save, and joy we can bring into the homes of the Latter-day Saints, all because we hold the priesthood of God. We are the men who have been called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of our exceeding faith to do this work. Tonight, I invite you literally to rise up with me in our great eternal brotherhood. When I name your priesthood office, please stand and remain standing. Deacons, please arise. Teachers, arise. Priests, Bishops, elders, high priests, patriarchs, 
70s. Apostles. Now, brethren, will you please remain standing and join with our chorus in singing all three verses of Rise Up, O Men of God. While you sing, think of your duty as God's mighty army to help prepare the world for the second coming of the Lord. This is our charge. This is our privilege. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Anyway, I don't know. I, <laughs> I ball every time I watch it. It's just so powerful. It just shakes me. Um, but just thinking about that in the context of this Davidic covenant and, and how we are to prepare the, the world for the second coming, that this is our charge. This is our privilege uh, to, to rise up and actually intercede on behalf of the people that are on lower levels of the ladder and don't understand maybe what's happening or, or why things are, are happening to them. Uh, providing physical protection is like, I don't know, I, I, everything was, was just blowing me away as I was reading this, this chapter. But anyway, what, what are all your thoughts? What, what you got? <laughs> there, there's lots there that I, I taken over the class. I kind of hijacked it. Sorry. Well, I'm afraid you've taught me a whole bunch and opened my eyes to a bunch of more. So, um, <laughs> I'm afraid the only, um, uh, contribution I can give to this is, uh, thank you. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll have to get back with you on that. Uh -huh. yeah, there, there's, there's a lot here that I don't know. I mean, when I started off Isaiah decoded and just kind of looking over the, the, the letter, uh, levels of the ladder, the little bookmark that the Isaiah Institute has, I, I keep it by my desk. I was just like, okay, well, I, I'm on the Jacob Israel le level. And then I was like, a couple chapters in, I was like, no, I, you know, I, I started thinking, well, maybe I'm on like the sun servant level. I, I didn't know exactly where I was, but throughout last chapter, the Zion Jerusalem, uh, and then this chapter, I know exactly where I'm at. I'm like, oh, okay. So I haven't seen God and I haven't entered into the Davidic covenant on behalf of others yet. Uh, all the different things in my life that y'all know about and stuff. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely not on this level, but I'm experiencing my, my three tests of loyalty from the, the Zion Jerusalem category and stuff. But but this is my next goal. Uh, you know, how many times do uh, we as uh, saints in, in these groups uh, talk about, you know, 144,000 and becoming translated, etc. And throughout this chapter, it was like, okay, look at Abraham's pattern here. What did Abraham want? He wanted to be translated up to the city of, of Enoch, right? To the city of Zion. But the Lord said, hold on a minute. You're, you're skipping a, a rung of the ladder. I need you to, to become a son slash servant first, and then we, we can get there. And and then he, he just grows into this level. He passes those three tests of loyalty on the Zion Jerusalem level, and then uh, actually provides one of the most amazing intercessions on behalf of a group of people that you can even imagine. I mean, he willingly gives up his own, like, who are we to counsel God? But he says, you know, like, he puts everything out on the line. You know, he, he got the, the promise of, of Isaac, uh, future posterity, etc. And then he says, all of that, yes, but please save Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's this many people, if there's this many people. He just puts it all out on the line. And then looking at these, 
uh, from Moses and Hezekiah and uh, all of these examples here in this chapter, it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's what's next. Like I've I've been not looking beyond the mark, but like I've been trying to look at 144,000. How do I attain that, etc.? But I'm missing a, a rung of the ladder, and this is crucial. And this chapter has just opened my eyes to, oh, Davidic covenant, something I didn't know before. This is the next step to to really understand God in this way and how to become proxy saviors, not just in the temple, but really for our families, taking upon ourselves um, iniquities, sins, whatever, and and providing physical protection. In a coming day, only those men who seek to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. Boom, my mind was just blown this morning. <laughs> And this is the level where, um, is this level that gets to see God? Yeah, it's not just uh, translated uh, and be taught and be taught by Him face to face and stuff. And like you taught me earlier this week on that, it that's that's exactly what the school of the prophets was trying to do. They were trying to see God. And so they were trying to get to that level and they had this school of the prophets. And then as you was looking that up, you found that, that they had the school of the prophets, the other dispensations as well. Um, like like I, Elijah and them, you know, they had the school of the prophets and was learning and Elisha was learning from Elijah and different things anyway it's like it's a pattern and it and of course it was restored in this latter days everything's as the pattern of the restoration of all that but it's interesting to know about that if you do a study on the school of the prophets the things that they were trying to learn and and grow and stuff and a lot of them did see God and were taught by, by him face to face. Yeah. Happens in this day too. Yeah, for sure. So um, I can't find it on the page. My notes are all crazy. But um, but yeah, uh, School of the Prophets. I found out there there's one in each dispensation and um, how, how they go through that process and, and everything is, is so intriguing. And um, anyway, that's my next big thing to, to try to piece together and put a class together on it or something. I don't know. But, but School of the Prophets, really what, what's going on there and, and how we implement those things. Is it authorized? Is it not? Uh, what level do you have to be on to, to be in it kind of thing? And anyway, it's just so intriguing that um, the Lord loves us so much. <laughs> he really, he's ready to come to us as soon as we're ready to come to him. We just have to, he, he provides the, the divine laws and, and we ascend as we're ready and as we're willing to be pulled up the, the ladder. And, and a lot of that deals with how we reach down and, and pull others uh, along with us. It's never a myopic type thing. It, it can never be one-sided. It has to be you pulling and, and someone pulling you and this is great, I, I don't know, the only word that's coming to mind is tug of war, but it's not tug of war. I guess it is with, with Satan, I guess. But anyway, this, this great ascension kind of thing. 
Um, let's see. What next? So let's talk about. Um, there, there's lots of talk in this chapter about conditional blessings and unconditional blessings. How do we go about securing our, our covenantal blessings so that they are unconditional? This was the first time that I've ever heard that, you know, you might be sealed in the temple, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, to have marriage for eternity unless you ascend a certain level of the ladder. That was kind of like, what are you telling me? Like this, this sounds a little crazy. I mean, once you're sealed, you're sealed, right? But um, it, it makes a lot of sense, the, the case that, that's put out here of, uh, of marriage and eternity and, and son slash servant level and how that all ties in with it. Um, but anyway, back to my, my question. Sorry, I get so distracted. Um, so how do we start going about making our blessings unconditional versus just conditional? How do we secure those uh, with that Abrahamic covenant, etc.? Well, from what I can determine is that we have to demonstrate unconditional dedication to the Lord that no matter what challenges come before us, we always put the Lord first, mm -hmm. sacrifice ourselves or anything we have, or those other things that we covenanted with inside the temple to sacrifice all for his will to, to, to sustain our leaders or to, or to just submit ourselves to his complete will. And once we have passed enough tests and the Lord knows that we will not deviate from that specific pattern. And then he says, okay, you're a, you're calling your election. It's made sure because you have made it that way. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm giving it to you, but you have made it that way. And that, uh, that is, that is why he gives us lots of things to practice on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He gives us lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly i i love that um just to i have so many different things so different roads i want to go down um <clears throat> so what about these these male and female roles of the the son slash servant level um as we talk about or, or see on page 205 the, the marital status of persons who ascend. So we have Jacob and Israel, where it's male or females that it can be on that, that level. Likewise with Zion, Jerusalem. But as soon as we get to the, the son slash servant level and higher, it's male and female. There's a covenantal relationship uh, associated there. there. There has to be marriage. And in, mm -hmm. oh. oh, no, the, his, his phone just buzz sorry oh, gotcha. <laughs> i didn't see anybody's mouth moving but you know i <laughs> stopped for it it, it um, wasn't he, he got a text message from the family so um one of the things that i think is interesting um uh, if you notice the brethren anywhere they any anytime they go somewhere who's right by their side their yeah. wife mm -hmm. they talk and then she talks they talk together um, and that's been a relatively new development the last few years yeah. because they didn't used to, you know, the brother used to go off and leave their wife at home. And we had no idea really who their wives were. 
but now we really see the the um the pattern of them being equally yoked right mm -hmm. the husbands and the wives together they're there together mm -hmm. um and i think they're so we're seeing more of that demonstrated but also in thinking of that if you remember the stats we were just given in conference that there are now more single members of the church than married that's already becoming a separation between those who can go up to that sun servant level and those who are just at zion jerusalem you know or or need to move to zion jerusalem right yeah um and, you know, that, that thought just came to me as well. You know, you have all of these people who are, we got to find you a girl, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that out. Somebody who's your equal, somebody who's your equal so that you can get to that level. This <laughs> is <laughs> I, I just hooked up my son with somebody. So. Anyway, the, the whole idea is that the male and the female parts of the equation are very important. And we need to, you need to solidify that, that covenant devotion between both sides, because that is what's needed for creation. That is needed for fulfillment of the Lord, of the Father's plan. So, um, it's just another qualification that the Lord has put in place, or maybe he didn't even put it in place. Maybe it's just already been in place that in order to fulfill the cause, fulfill the plan, it is uh, a needed arrangement or it's a needed thing. Um, and I think that all, all through history, there have been examples of this. Now, whether they actually been recorded or if they've been abridged or or they've been snuffed out i think that every important person that ever served the lord always had a companion and they had a they were a dedicated companion mm -hmm. yeah equally yeah well i mean there's lots of equally yoked unequally yoked examples and stuff but yes everyone that, that serves the lord and stuff even though they might be unequally yoked they both rise to the occasion and, and help each other out kind of thing but doesn't that just give you so much insight testimony whatever you want to call it into the fact that the savior was married like i mean mm -hmm. um, yeah <laughs> it, i I mean, I've, I've thought that a, a lot, even before greater knowledge and stuff. It's just like, of course he was. But I mean, now it's like, well, he had to be. I mean, this is this is it. If he was to, to complete the atonement, of course, that he rose to the son-servant level, had a wife, you know, these things. I mean, there's certain things that you cannot learn without doing that and, and having someone equally yoked, this Mary Magdalene that ascends through the seven heavens, just like he does. Of course, it just makes so much sense. And the reason why the opposition does not want that union to be broadcast or known about is because that is a that is a stumbling block that would keep us from going to the the that next level. So mm -hmm. as long as everybody is thinking that Christ was all by himself, then they have this. The ultimate example, well, he was all by himself, so I don't have to. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, the great counterfeit that Satan really gets in there and, and messes things up. But um, yeah, so <laughs> let, let, let's go for it because I, I don't know, I kind of shy away from, from talking about stuff all the time, but if, if it gets weird, we'll, we'll edit it out. But let, let's, let's talk about my example because as I was going through this, I, I was, you know, this is so amazing. And then it gets to like the male female roles and I'm just like, <laughs> I, I felt so discouraged. So not, not depressed, but like, it's like, oh man. So um, I don't know who all knows or whatever, but like, I, I'm going through a separation right now and and, and possible divorce where we're not finalized with it yet or anything, but it's just like, okay, so I, I want these blessings, all these different things. I, I'm obviously not keeping my, my, my full marriage covenant here and stuff. Where does this fit in? How do I go from here? You know, like it was just kind of a, a weird chapter to honestly uh, tackle because the, the Lord's teaching me so much and yet there's there's this this dissonance. And um, how do we help other people through these scenarios? I mean, yes, we, we uh, you know, we try to step in, we try to counsel, we, we, we do different things, but, but honestly, Satan is ramping up his game. There are so many divorces. There's so many single people. There's, there's all of this um, dissonance amongst faithful members of the church, amongst the elect. And how do we combat that? How do we counteract it? How do we help other people through their tests of loyalty when it, it sometimes hits so close to home? Like I never, ever thought that my Abrahamic test would, would be my own wife yet it, it happened and it's very real. And the Lord, I, I've been closer to the Lord through this whole process than I ever have. And yet I, I still feel like, I don't know, I'm on this, this, this balancing act right now of like, okay, you know, if, if you read what paragraph I, uh, uh, page 217, if you read that, it's basically telling me like, get back with your wife kind of thing versus some of this other is like, yeah, there, there's other things that, that need to happen, etc. Anyway, I, I just find it not necessarily talking to me specifically. Don't, don't think that I'm just trying to get advice here, but like, how do we, we help this rising generation that's just encountering this with uh, a ferocity that, that is unmatched? I mean, Satan is really ramping this up. How do we help other people ascend the ladder when they're encountering such difficult Abrahamic tests that they're not necessarily prepared for, but, but, you know, like, I don't know, just throwing that question out there. How do you guys <laughs> answer that? Well, I think that there's a couple of things you can do. Number one is you get yourself as close to the Lord as you possibly can. Okay. You need to take care of making sure that you are good and you are right with the Lord. And then number two, you need to pray to the Lord. Please open the eyes. Please touch their heart. Please help them to see, help them do whatever, you know, I, help me to see what it is I need to do. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I have, I have done everything I possibly can. Please help that person to make up their mind. Yes or no in or out, which is it going to be? I'm, I'm going to be okay with either one, but because I'm here, you know, you're as close as you can get with the Lord. 
And then you lay that at the Lord's feet and you let him deal with it, right? To do whatever he tells you to do and wait. <laughs> because, you know, when you have a relationship like that, you know, with anybody, not just you, right? But mm -hmm. anybody has these, the husband and wife that are going to ascend to that level, they have to get to that point individually and together. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they both have to want it and they both have to be there. And if one doesn't want it, or if one is, um, unwilling, then that's, that's going to be hard, but, um, you just lay it at the Lord's feet and you let him figure it out. And I know, I know a lot of people, um, some recently who they're like, I tried for years and years and years. And the Lord finally said, okay, you have done enough. It's okay. You know, and they finally got divorced. And then I know people who everybody, including their kids was sure they were going to end up divorced. And they both had a commitment and they both said, okay, we're going to do this. Let's both work at it. Let's both make some changes. Let's both come close to the Lord. And it's much better and, and, you know, moving right on, you know, it just becomes one of those dips that you get in life. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, I know people in, all along that spectrum between those two. Yeah, um, it's not cut and dry. I mean, just with any uh, difficulty in, in life or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you, we cannot judge uh, so that, you know, because it, it's definitely between them and the Lord and, and everything, but we, we try to do as much as we can to help and, and everything. But yeah, I, I found that very interesting going throughout this, this Davidic covenant and, and how we can use the Davidic covenant to, to help others through some of these real rough tests. Well, and it, another thought, you know, going back to the ministering thing, right? How much, you know, you would have love, you'd have love and minister and, and would minister to and care about people that you minister to, right? One of the things that we have a tendency to do is to be nicer to our friends than we are to our spouse. <laughs> <laughs> minister to your spouse. Even if you've got a great marriage, minister to your spouse. Share those things. Hey, this is a wonderful thing. You know, have those kinds of discussions because that's what helps build that bond, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, there's my two cents. <laughs> oh, those are I, good cents. Anybody else got any ideas? I've been talking about <laughs> I know. Like, I feel like I kind of hijacked this whole session, but whatever. I really like the part about the the man being the sun and the woman being like the moon and how um, she's there for his descent and he's the provider and the protector. And I really feel like um, there's been so many times when I felt like I kind of got dumped, everything kind of got dumped on me and I had to help the descent. I felt like I carried the descent. <laughs> Mm -hmm. which is kind of what this is about as being the savior or the um um I can't think of the word but um and how like how beautiful it is in a marriage to how hard it is and how 
um, exhausting it can be to feel like um, when they when your husband is on the descent to pick it all up and just keep running even though like he hasn't held the baton forever like but like you know like he's still there he's still he's doing his best even though you know you have to together you have to get through it and um and it's not pretty it's not always pretty it's not always fun and it's not always great but after 30 years I'm glad that I stuck with it but it's tough I mean there's some tough times and like I look at the Zion part like building Zion I'm like oh yeah totally I want to help everybody but then there's days where it's like my kids, my teenagers are a freaking mess. Like, how am I going to help anyone else? I've got three kids that are a disaster. Like, that's just a, a lot of weight, you know, a lot, a lot to carry. And um, if if men could step up and and feel that priesthood covenant and that duty, that it would take a lot of a lot of um, burden off of the wife who is carrying a really big baton and can't always carry it alone, you know, without the savior. I mean, obviously the savior does all of the work, but um, it, it's really a good chapter and really meant a lot to me, even though I think it was a little bit, some of it was kind of hard to read and does feel kind of daunting to even think about building Zion when it's like I'm just trying to keep my house together <laughs> like the kid children are suffering so bad because the adversary is so strong and and our husbands are suffering because the adversary is so strong <laughs> and so yeah there's just it's just a lot for, for I think for women I think it's hard for everybody but I think it's just time for Jesus to get here, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if I blubbered. (laughs) Oh, no, you're you're good. Thank you so much for all that. Um, It's very interesting to me, uh, you know, like you said, the the sun and the moon and stuff, and then how it talks about that women are um, the the ones that that give life, you know, they, they carry that load for a physical being for nine months and and it's not hard and everything and and like you said sometimes you have to carry your husband and your kids and all of that it's a really big baton for a long time and it's like can no one share this but you know like we can't share pregnancy you know you, you would love to just be like okay husband you you wear it today kind of a thing but um it, it's a soul burden sometimes and um pulling it back, I, th- I think that Mary Magdalene is, is this perfect example of, of that, you know, I mean, look at the Savior and his immense burden that, that he took upon himself, his descent phases through, through all of that, um, not just Gethsemane and the cross, but I mean, his whole life, his ministry and everything, and, and look at, at her stature, uh, and, and how much of a help she was, um, her washing his feet, preparing him for his burial. You know, I mean, that's an ordinance, and, and we see her faithfulness in all of that scene. Um, uh, she's the the great, uh, 
the tower is is what she's called and and so like this tower you know it, it equated with with what you said with baton like she is just carrying all of this load she is the the mighty tower that that supported our savior through through his ministry and stuff it's like this this role of man and woman uh, here in in the son servant level is is so amazing uh it just boosts my faith so much in in knowing that this is um an eternal pattern you know uh, i talked about in our uh, last group how if you are looking at our five covenants that we enter into at the temple and match those up with levels of the ladder um the the sun slash servant category matches up with the law of chastity and how important that is like i mean how important um how relevant that is that's the the level that that is required and and things because i always wondered well we're required to to live the law of chastity even before we go to the temple why are we entering into law of chastity there it doesn't even make sense but as we're we're going through it it's like oh it's the pattern that the endowment is leading us up the ladder and um that son servant level is is law of chastity uh, connections and it's like oh so many things make sense now <laughs> uh once we we get proper framework and, and things around it um but yeah, I, I've loved everybody's uh, testimonies and, and things there on, on this importance of, of male and female and uh, these these tests that, that we're going through. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I feel like I really did hijack all of the, the, the meeting tonight. But um, any kind of last thoughts? What where do we want to uh, hit on uh, for kind of final things before we close out for the night? I just want to try to get uh, to get caught up to where you just led me to. So I'm gonna have to go back and re re listen to it and and read it again and and try to make the connections that you've made already and so that I can uh, see what your catch your vision and, and get the understanding of it. So <laughs> mine are just wild things. So I when you read it, no, they're, like, not. And then, no they're not. And then, you teach me next they are <laughs> insight insights that you are given that others have not been given such as myself that you share and i am edified sometimes i get lucky and i can give information and then others are edified and when we teach by the spirit then both are edified as is in doctrine and covenants 50 mm -hmm. so you know it this is where we get together and and it's all for the edification of those who participate and you got to understand something the people who are on here are putting forth effort one to try to learn and two they're admitting that there's things that they don't know and they could be taught which is one of the biggest obstacles to many people now is because they think they already know enough and they don't need any to learn anymore. And that's the big difference. That's the that's what keeps people on the lowest rung of the ladder. So mm -hmm. we're all in this together and we're grateful that all of the participants are here to share and to uh, and to commiserate together and <laughs> and um, and learn one from another yeah yeah i i love our group so much 
it's interesting how it all plays out. I, I mean, uh, when did we even start these? Back in January, February or something. Anyway, it was just an inspiration. It's like, go for it, do it. And it was like, okay. And put it out there on, on Facebook. And we had a, a lot of people interested, signed up for it. And then it kind of whittled down. But man, the, the friends, like me and my mom were talking the other day, man, we just feel like we're just best friends with everybody on, on the group. Even when some people don't turn their camera on or whatever, you know, it's totally fine. I, I totally understand that. But, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I even connect with people's names, uh, even though sometimes I don't see their faces. But uh, all of the, the feedback and, and all of the, the things that we learn and grow together on, uh, there's been many raw moments. If you look through some of our, our past videos and stuff, that it's just like, and the, the testimonies, you know, that we just wouldn't get in, in Sunday school sometimes uh, or, or over uh, the pulpit, but um, that we can talk freely and just work out all of this higher learning that's just flooding at us um, with others that, that are doing it. It's just awesome. I, I love each one of you so much. You've all helped. Just, just me. The one thing that I, that I came across today that was most important to me was that knowledge and understanding is given to us as a stewardship. We do not own it. He's going to write that down. Okay. <laughs> All of our knowledge and our understanding is given to us as a stewardship. And if we are in tune with the Lord, then he will tell us who to give it to and who to share it with and then who is not ready for it so mm -hmm. we don't share it with just everybody yeah. some things are for us because i found out that you know when we give when we give advice okay the lord might encourage us to give that advice and to share it and we do and then you get accolades and people are great grateful that you share and then that kind of bolsters you a little bit. And then the, the Lord may give you a couple more tidbits of information to share. But then the, the adversary comes along and whispers in your ear, you're pretty cool. You're pretty smart. Everybody likes you. Everybody's glad you're in here. So then all of a sudden the messenger becomes much more important to the, than the message. Mm -hmm. And then the spirit is not there and you do not edify. And yet, you people, because you've given good advice in the past, they begin to recognize that uh, maybe what you have to say is still good, but they don't feel the spirit. And then that is where the that's where the adversary disrails the disrupts the, the flow, derails the train. And and that's where I think a whole lot of people in in the YouTube and blogs and Facebook posts and well you name it you understand there's all kinds of people out there who are giving good advice and you get good messages from them in some of their messages and all of a sudden after a little bit of time and a little bit of whether they're monetized or not you know they begin to get this idea that they're important that the Lord is using them as a as a great tool but you know sometimes we're we could be just a Samuel the Lamanite where we're given one message, we go through all of the sacrifice to give the message, and then we jump off the wall and we're never heard from again. So, yeah. you know, 
And we have to recognize that maybe the message we have is an old one-time message and that the Lord needs us to give it because we're prepared to give it. Um, and then we need to also recognize that the Lord no longer wants us to share the message and we need to shut up and jump off the wall. Mm -hmm. So, I like you know, that. <laughs> as long as we, all people are being edified mm -hmm. you, and the spirit is there, then you know that the Lord is continuing to provide the knowledge and information. And he's allowing you as the steward to share it with those whom are around you or whom he chooses. Mm -hmm. But when the Lord says it's time to be quiet and we obey, then we keep the spirit. If we don't obey, we just go on our own knowledge and our own understanding then the spirit says, um, you've gone too far. You're on your own. That's when the, the wisdom of man and the uh, natural man begins to take over. And that's where people get led astray and other things. So this mm -hmm. is why, you know, I always wonder about the people who always had the right answer. And <laughs> I've listened to many a uh, podcast. And I've always been wowed by many podcasts, but then after a while, they begin to say things that just don't ring true. And you go, eh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's time for them as Samuel to jump down off the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like and that. We're, we're all given, we're all given those talents and those abilities so that none of us have to really carry that burden of pride. You know, mm -hmm. the Lord, he doesn't cause everybody to have every answer or one person to have every answer because Satan will work extra hard on that person who has all the answers because they, he knows that the one source can be corrupted with just a little bit of, little bit of poison here, a little bit of dye there. And then all of a sudden the whole spring is polluting and poisoning everybody. So what happens is he's always popping up brand new springs all of information all over the place. And uh, the only spring that I know of that has all information and has been that way is the, the Savior. And uh, he is, for what I understand, uncorrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I've never heard that, that stewardship thing before that. The one's a, a new one that's that's very intriguing stewardship like and, and consecration and, and all of that principle there i love that and that's going to be my study this week too <laughs> all right well it's been fun i appreciate everyone and your comments and everything anyway have a great week everyone we'll see you